time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023, the Feast of St. Pascal Ballon, a Spanish shepherd born in the kingdom of Aragon in the 16th century. He demonstrated a profound devotion to the Blessed Sacrament throughout his life. As a youth, he attended Mass whenever possible, and when unable to do so, he would kneel in the fields and adore the elevation of the Blessed Sacrament at the nearby church bell rang. At the age of 24, he joined the Descaled Franciscans in Villarreal, where his fervor for the Eucharist continued to burn brightly. During his final moments on earth, St. Paschal received the Holy Viaticum and inquired if Mass had begun at the monastery chapel. Upon learning that the elevation was imminent, he awaited the sound of the small bells. At that sacred moment, he exclaimed, My Jesus! and peacefully passed away. Remarkable miracles accompanied St. Paschal's even after his death. During his funeral, his corpse, when the priest elevated the chalice, the lifeless body mirrored the movement. Later, his remains positioned near the main altar, and whenever Mass was celebrated on that altar, sounds of movement emanated from his coffin, inviting the faithful to deepen their devotion and adore the Holy Sacrament. These ongoing manifestations of St. Paschal Bellon's love for the Eucharist serve as a testament to his heroic virtue and intimate connection with the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. They also carry a polemical value countering the Protestant denial of the real presence prevalent during the time of the Reformation. St. Paschal Bellon, pray for us. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you. There's so many good things going on in the world today. You know, I'm thinking of St. Pascal Ballon and how the, the bishops are trying to have a Eucharistic revival. Well, I, man, I cannot think of a better saint for a Eucharistic revival than St. Pascal Ballon. Have you heard of this saint before? I personally have not. Nope. This is the first time that I'm hearing about this saint, and I thought it was incredibly interesting, and I'm so glad to share it with you today. Uh, but joining us right now is our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Thank you for uh, teaching us a bit, reading that thing about uh, that blurb on that saint. I have not heard of him. That was incredible that his inanimated body had levitated when at the uh, elevation of the uh, chat. Cup. The so, consecration of the Eucharist. Yes, yeah. consecration of the Eucharist. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. We've got some uh, a good guest and uh, interesting topics. And uh, take it away. Yeah, I'm very excited. Very excited. You know, last night I went to go uh, pray at the church after when I got home. I went to stop by the church to pray for the. Uh, I was not able to make it to San Marcos. Because they weren't going to get back until maybe midnight. If we were oh. lucky, they were predicting probably 1 a.m. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can uh, be out to 1 a.m. on a uh, weekday or really any day. And so uh, I said, okay, you know, when y'all are doing that, I'm going to go to the chapel and I'll pray for an hour. And so I went and prayed for an hour and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I woke up 
and I would look around and everybody's gone and it's just me in the, in the church and I'm like, whoops, uh, very awkward situation, but uh, praise be to God. Uh, I, there you go, folks. There you go. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a couple articles that are very concerning. Uh, Transformers, the television show. Do you remember Transformers? They was really popular at show. Actually, it's always been a popular show. They rebooted every few years. So it was out when I was a kid. My dad used to watch it when he was a kid. They made the movie versions of it uh, not too long ago. I think they're still making movie versions of it, actually. It never stopped and started doing that in like the 90s. And they have are now promoting transgenderism, which I guess... It's par for course for something with the name trans in the name, I guess. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about students being harassed for being Catholic at a Jesuit university. Did you hear about that story? Hmm, very interesting. So we're going to be talking about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Joseph Shaw with the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales will be joining us to talk about Pope Francis. You remember Pope Francis' comments a couple weeks ago? Was it a couple weeks ago? Or was it last week? It feels like it was forever ago. Yeah. But we are going to be talking about that. We were holding off on the story, letting it marinate a little bit. But finally, we're going to be talking about that coming up. Plus, if we have time, I want to talk to Joseph Shaw about his recent article with Catholic Answers on the topic of Let the Kids Come to Mass. It's a very interesting little article he put out yesterday. So I wanted to talk about that with y'all if we have the time. In the next hour, I, did you hear about the story about a Mexican church being lit on fire? Very concerning, but I want to bring it up because I think this is a, should light a fire underneath us to have a Cristero uh, mentality, especially people who are from Mexico, who have Mexican descent, but really all Americans, because all Americans should be Guadalupanas, uh, considering that we uh, are all Our Lady of Guadalupe is, in fact, uh, Empress of the Americas, not just of Mexico. So we're going to talk about that in the next hour. And as always, we have the Fear and Trembling Game Show where we give out prizes. And that prize this week will be from Catholic Answers. So make sure you tune in for the next hour as well. You're not going to want to miss one moment of the show today. So much going on. And you're going to want to stay on our email list because there's a lot of things going on. And we're going to have, uh, like for instance, uh, tomorrow is Holy Thursday, not Holy Thursday, is Ascension Thursday. And so uh, these kind of uh, news, things like that, we're also having a coming up a day, Memorial Day is coming up. And so if you want to get informed and, and inspired about all sorts of things that we're doing behind the scenes, uh, make sure you're on our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and you can join us there. Uh, maybe we'll mention a little bit about uh, about Ascension Thursday as well. I just I completely escaped my mind. Yes. So tomorrow is Ascension Thursday. Uh, make sure you have that scheduled in your put that in your calendar. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Maybe have fifteen past there. Squeeze that in there, and the, if we can. But let's begin in prayer. We're going to pray for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life. We are going to be praying for that. I'm praying for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. I pray for the repose of the soul of Patrick Rocha, and I pray for anything that's going on, any family, friends that are happening that need our prayers. We pray for all these things. Uh, we're going to pray the Subtuum, an ancient prayer dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it was written in the third century. Can you believe it? So we'll pray that in Latin and then in English. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus sancta dei genitrix nostra deprecationes ne despicias in necessitatibus, sed a periculis cuntis libra nos semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. 
We fly to thy protection, O holy mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, May 17, now Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting bishops are telling the FBA don't make mini-pill contraceptive over-the-counter. Federal regulators with the FDA should reject proposed over-the-counter use of the progestin-only mini-pill contraceptive, the U.S. bishops have said. They echo other critics who say the drug side effects mean patients should have physician supervision while taking the drug. An advisory panel to the FBA unanimous, unanimously voted to recommend approval of the O-Pill birth control pill for over-the-counter availability. A final decision is expected this summer. LifeSide is reporting the courageous bishop Athanasius Schneider is calling out neo-Marxist LGBT ideology and its proponents even among the Catholic hierarchy. Schneider said the fact that America is pushing LGBT ideology and other countries around the world is a very clear sign that we are already in a kind of global totalitarianism with political power. In other words, imperial colonialism, ideological colonialism. Catholic News Agency is reporting Catholic clergy in France will soon carry a standardized ID card linked to the national database that shows whether they are currently in good standing and can celebrate Mass and hear confessions. Clergy, ha- <clears throat> clergy have always carried a document showing they are approved to celebrate the Mass called a celebrette. And finally, LifeSide is reporting for Republican Governor Ron DeSantis signed new legislation Monday banning any state or federal tax dollars from going to diversity, equity, and inclusion, also called DEI programs, at the Sunshine State Colleges or universities. This is the latest in his efforts to purge left-wing indoctrination from education. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I have still much to say to you, but it is beyond your reach as yet. It will be for him the truth-giving spirit when he comes to guide you into all truth. He will not utter a message of his own. He will utter the message that has been given to him, and he will make plain to you what is still to come. And he will bring honor to me, because it is from me that he will derive what he makes plain to you. I say that he will derive from me what he makes plain to you, because all that belongs to the Father belongs to me. The Gospel of the Lord. The commentary on the Gospel today comes from Cornelius Alapide and... I'm going to pull in St. Thomas Aquinas as well for this passage. We're only going to talk about verse 12 because I think this is very, very fascinating what they have to say here. So Cornelius Alapide first, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you of the mysteries of the faith, of the conversion of the Gentiles, of the foundation and government of the church, of the institution of priests and bishops, and the whole ecclesiastical hierarchy. But you cannot bear them now. Your mind cannot take in such weighty matters, both because it is weak and ill-informed and so accustomed to the carnal ordinances of the Jews as to be unable to conceive such lofty and spiritual subjects, and also because it is entirely occupied with sorrow, which keeps it from rising to the apprehension of so many and such noble subjects. 
but I will send the Holy Spirit, who will be his enlightenment, make you capable of hearing and comprehending them. And that Christ encourages his apostles to lift up their hearts and cherish the desires of apprehending these great mysteries by the coming of the Holy Spirit. We may thence infer that the apostles and the church advanced only by degrees in the knowledge of the mysteries of the faith, as the light of the sun gradually increases from dawn to midday, and every believer gradually grows in faith and holiness, as it is said in Proverbs 4.18. Now, this is very important because this is a heresy that we're seeing pop up over and over again, this idea of new doctrine, of things that can be new. This is uh, not something that we believe as Catholics. Instead, we know that the Holy Ghost revealed all truth and that we advance only by degrees in the knowledge of the mysteries of the faith. We don't create new knowledge, but we have degrees of knowledge that are increased. This is the very important distinction that has to be made. St. Thomas Aquinas, commenting on the same passage, says, he says, the coming of the Holy Spirit will benefit the world because he will rebuke it. But the Spirit will also benefit you by instructing you. You need this instruction because I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It is like saying, I have instructed you, but you are not completely instructed. Lo, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job 26.14 It would be foolish to ask what those many things were, which they could not bear, as St. Augustine remarks. For if they could not bear them, much less can we. The statement, you cannot bear them now, has been used by certain heretics as a cover for their errors. They will tell their adherents the basest things in private, things that would not dare to be said openly, as though these were the things that the disciples were not then able to bear, and as though the Holy Spirit taught them these things, which a man would blush to teach and preach openly. We should not think that some secret teaching is kept from believers who are uneducated and taught to those who are more learned. Indeed, matters of faith are presented to all the faithful. What I tell you in the dark, utter in the light. Still, they had to be presented in one way to the uneducated and another way to the learned. For instance, certain fine points about the mystery of the incarnation and the other mysteries would not be presented to the uneducated because they would not understand them and they would actually be an obstacle. So what here do we learn? We learn here that... God revealed all truth to the apostles, which is why we have to cling to apostolic tradition, which is why we have to stand on the shoulders of giants. And we cannot go with our own interpretation of things and not create our own secret knowledge, but instead trust in the teachings of the church, the teachings that have always and everywhere been taught. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. You know, there are always stories that are very concerning, but this one, you know, it's just it's just a reminder, a reminder of the situation we find ourselves in and how parents have to be vigilant. They have to be vigilant. And ultimately, I mean, at the end of the day, it might be the best solution to just destroy television. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and we were getting uh, pizza. And we're talking about, okay, our futures. I said, okay, when we have kids, uh, what would we want to do with our kids? And we were going back and forth about different ideas of best way to uh, prevent our future children to uh, get involved in these horrific things that are in, in our televisions. And uh, one idea was that you have a uh, one TV in the living room that's kind of set there that only that so they're only allowed to watch it with the, the parents there. Another solution was to have a, a TV in the bedroom in the the parents' bedroom that's in a kind of a cabinet where it gets opened up so they can only watch in their parents' room with the parents' supervision, and otherwise there would be no access to the television. And maybe the solution is to just to destroy the television in general and nobody gets television. I don't know. That's a good idea. It might be the best idea. It might be the best idea. It's something that definitely needs to be discussed. So why does this conversation come up? Well, again, yet again, another st- another TV show, another cartoon here, Trans Transformer reveals pronouns to non-binary child in animated series, series. This is by the Post Millennial. I always knew my pronouns felt right, but what a wonderful word for a wonderful experience. This is what the article says. Very concerning. Here it says, a recent episode of the popular children's cartoon Transformers, Earthspark, features a non-binary robot who meets a non-binary girl. Okay. There's so many things with this sentence. (laughs) A non-binary robot. Okay, what? Uh, Okay, so here's the first problem with with TV shows in general. We anthropomorphize creatures, animals, robots, and these kind of things. And it kind of gets us an attachment to them. It's kind of where we get these kind of ideas of setting your, your children, have a mindset, oh, we can't kill an animal because animals think act and feel like humans do. And now they're doing the same thing with robots, which is kind of leaning us towards, especially nowadays with the AI, people are going to think that AI is real, that there are actual persons. People are going to be pushing for personhood for AI. 
which they're not persons. And this is going to be very concerning. So the whole anthropomorphizing of non-human creatures is a very, very concerning thing already. And then to try to push, you have a, a male robot and that is identifying as non-binary. Well, that's even worse because now it's subverting the, uh, the traditional norms of sexuality. But the argument could be made, oh, well, it's a robot. It has no gender. Okay, well, yeah, because it's a robot. However, you're anthropomorphizing it. So don't try to pretend that that's not what you're doing. He goes on and says, a clip of the episode shared by Twitter by Libs of TikTok opens with the robot Nightshade telling a cowering young girl that its pronouns are they, them, to which the girl responds, I'm Sam. I'm she, they. Now, how does that make any sense? She, they. So your pronouns are she, they. It's, it's very concerning, those kind of situations. It goes on. The two characters then discuss what a scary place the world can be and how it's hard to know who's dangerous and who's not. And this story, you can, uh, might be able to hear it in the background here. It's very concerning. He says, I know I'm safe when I'm with my friends or other non-binary people. The girl tells the trans transformer that they, with the they, them pronouns, but the robot is confused by the term non-binary. So the girl explains that it means people who aren't male or female, which I'm like, okay, well, the robots are not male or female. So <laughs> I guess technically the robots would be, would fall into that category. However, humans cannot because human beings are only male and female, are only male and female, and we should not be afraid to say so. And it's very clear, which is why we have to cling to biblical truth, because people try to adhere to these wicked ideas. But the Bible is very clear. I mean, science is very clear, too. I mean, it's, you don't need to appeal to the Bible. But if you have the Bible, if you believe in the Bible, it's even more clear, because what does the Bible say? He says, in the image of God, he created you. Male and female, he created you. For a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It's very, very clear. There is no non-binary in the Bible. Now he goes on and says, I always knew my pronouns felt right, but what a wonderful word for a wonderful experience, replies Nightshade. Now here's another thing. They're trying to say that these alien robots from another planet had a concept of they, them, that just so happens to correspond with the modern human confusion. Okay, whatever. This is not the first time the show has contained radical gender ideology. Back in December, a clip of Optimus Prime almost misgendering Nightshade surfaced on social media. Optimus Prime gets educated by a young girl who informs him that Nightshade's pronouns are they, them. He or she just doesn't fit with who I am, said the robot. Optimus Prime then apologizes and proceeds to use the gender neutral there. This is very, very concerning. And this is right on the heels of we've seen things like Blue's Clues have drag queen shows on the Blue's Clues show. Do you remember that? How, how about the, the mystery gang? You see the Scooby-Doo promoting lesbianism with uh, the Velma show. Uh, there's a bunch of other things that are just very, very gross. And YouTube, we talked about the queer kid stuff that's all over the place. So this is me begging you, get rid of all this stuff. Do not have these things 
that are uh, for your kids. It's not my kids, but it's your kids. And I'm just begging you, please, for the love of your children, do not let them be be exposed to this garbage that is trying to indoctrinate these children and trying to brainwash them into into nonsense, into this cult mentality. And they try to say, oh, you religious people are so crazy and kooky with your religious beliefs. And yet they have these radical beliefs that are not backed by any sort of science, any sort of philosophy, are not consistent within itself, and they want you to hold to it with religious fervor. It's very, very concerning. That's very well said, Adrian. I remember uh, reading a book by John Sr., and and he was writing in the 70s, that uh, you need to throw your television out and because he already thought it was disgusting how uh, the programming was back then. It, 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 people don't seem to understand that they're actually worshiping uh, a w- <clears throat> entertainment at the moment. In the ancient days, you know, back in uh, medieval all the way to the Roman Republic, people would, ha- would have little uh, altars in their homes with little statues of their relatives, and they would worship them and, and other idols on there uh, requesting certain grants or gifts or promises from their so-called gods. And, and that was the center of their home life. Now today, people are now worshiping the television screen. I, I visited some friends I have not seen in a long time, uh, very secular, and, and we went into their main room where they always gather, called the living room, of course, and front and center dominating the entire room, the space, was a huge wall from floor to ceiling television screen. And so when they they accuse us of being religious, they're the ones acting out in religious cult-like manner. And and they don't understand that the demonic influence has has done a a, a 180 on them, and, and they are the ones that are pushing this ideology upon all of us. So this other story out of LifeSite News Students harassed for protesting drag show at Loyola University, Chicago. Quote, I hate Catholic people. Now, this is Loyola University, a Jesuit university. And again, another story about a Catholic university, allegedly Catholic university, having horrific things happening. Be aware of where you send your kids to school. Maybe don't even send your kids to school. It may not be the best solution for them unless they gain a degree but lose their soul. What is it to gain a degree and lose your soul? It says here, three students at a Catholic university were harassed by 60 counter-protesters as they demonstrated against a drag queen show on campus. Praise be to God, you guys rock. I am very, very proud of the three students who stood up and was able to have the courage to be able to stand up against this. It's very, very difficult in our time for people to stand up, especially with the hatred that comes after you. Courage. That on, is, that is, go ahead. On April 14th, Emily Torres, Matthew McKenna, and a third student at the Jesuit Loyola University in Chicago witnessed against an on-campus drag race as counter-protest screened vulgarities at them, according to Campus Reform, conservative watchdog exposing liberal bias on U.S. college campuses. The drag queen fans shouted, show your face and turn around, B-I-T-C-H, at the three protesters as they stood at the top of the campus staircase. An audio recording revealed another student screaming, I hate Catholic people, followed by cheers from fellow protesters. Another recording seemed to capture evidence that a counter-protester stole posters from the faithful Christian students. 
According to Loyola student newspaper, the Loyola Phoenix, Ryan Bradley, the president of Rainbow Connection, the campus LGBT group. Now, why does a Catholic university have an LGBT group Amen. that organized the drag queen show called the three protesters homophobic? It is a couple people with a homophobic beliefs who are trying to disenfranchise the art of drag. Now, people say that the that um, spoken word is the is the death of art. Drag is the death of art. If art, if drag can be considered art, there is no art. <laughs> Torres said that she decided to protest a drag show for two reasons. The first is that drag queens tend to dress very prom- promiscuously and have done so in the past in Loyola shows. What does this imply? That to dress and act like a woman is to dress sexually and is to promiscuously dance around. By doing so, these men diminish female dignity and reduce women to sexual objects, which is degrading. She further argued that promoting drag shows should not be allowed in Catholic institutions. Yeah, especially at a Catholic university, considering what does the Bible say? That a man should not wear the women's clothing. Transvestitism is condemned repeatedly in the Bible. This is very bad. Not only have they been sexually explicit in the past, but they have been Catholic bishops who, who condemned hosting drag queen shows at schools. And it's not in accordance with the Bible for men to dress like women and for women to dress like men. It goes on and talks more about this situation. But ultimately, this is horrific. And to see that there is only three people, three people willing to stand up against this perversion at a Jesuit university, at a so-called Catholic university. How many people will rise up and stand with these kids? This is very, very concerning. And more and more people need to have the courage, have the calm courage and confidence to stand up against this perversion and i recommend to anybody and everybody to be able to contact this university and say hey y'all need to stop calling yourself catholic or stop allowing this wickedness we were we were able to get the drag queen show stopped at the at a&m which is not a catholic university there's such a backlash at a&m for having their Dragyland show that they don't have it on their campus anymore let us do the same at every university in America, especially the Catholic ones. We'll be right back with Joseph Shaw with Latin Bass Society after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale? Moses heard God's voice in a bush? Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven? Or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin, and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession. We understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. And thirdly, our Bibles are filled with promises, but this promise was to Peter, the apostles, and the generational successors of Peter known as the Catholic bishops. So here's an idea. Take a drive down your street, look up at a Catholic church, and just know this for a fact. That priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of St. Peter. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic 
and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. CatholicCulture.org and WCBD Television are reporting several statues of Mary were vandalized at a Goose Creek Catholic Church in South Carolina. Authorities in Goose Creek are investigating after several statues at Immaculate Conception Church were vandalized over the weekend. Multiple statues of Mary were found severely damaged on Mother's Day. A large statue of Mary, the Mother of God, was damaged in the Columbarium, one of the most sacred areas of the church ground. This is where the ashes of parishioners, church family, and friends are buried. The statue was knocked from its pedestal, causing damage to Mary's face and breaking off both of her hands. The vandalism at Immaculate Conception Church is one of over 250 acts of vandalism, arson, and other destruction at parishes and, Catholic, and other Catholic sites in the U.S. since May 2020. Achi Prenza is reporting the Diocese of Arapuato in the Mexican state of Guanajuato expressed its profound consternation over a fire deliberately set at Santiago Huito Church and called it a sacrilege. Father Silva pointed out that the Church of San Santiago Huito, whose origins date back to the 17th century, is one of the most emblematic and iconic in the region. The priest lamented that this arson attack occurred shortly after the completion of restoration work paid for with the effort and the cooperation of many people in that poor state. The church has been totally damaged by smoke throughout its complex, the priest reported. Catholic News Agency is reporting Congress should withhold funds How a, from a politicized FBI, Chairman Jim Jordan says. House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, threatened to reduce the FBI's funding during a committee hearing in which lawmakers debated whether laws are being selectively enforced against pro-life activists. Politics is driving the agenda in far too many agencies in our government, Jordan said during a Tuesday morning hearing on revisiting the implications of the FACE Act. And finally, Catholic News Agency is reporting the FBI and local police have opened an investigation after three mutilated animals were left on the property of a pro-life pregnancy center in Orlando, Florida last week. On May 10th, a staff member from the facility discovered the decapitated corpses of a very large chicken, baby lamb, and other large bird in front of the clinic. There have been more than 60 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers since May 2022, and only six reported arrests. Many Catholic churches, a maternity home, political organizations, billboards, and advertisements, a political figure, and a memorial have also come under pro-abortion attacks since last May. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now is Joseph Shaw, the chairman of the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales. He's on with us to talk about the recent comments that has come out from Pope Francis on the TLM community. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Shaw. Thank you very much. Uh, praise be to God. You know, it's very interesting. We saw this story come out a couple weeks ago. It feels like it was uh, forever ago at this point. It says, the during the second day of his apostolic trip to Hungary on April 29th, Pope Francis met with the country's Jesuits. At around 6 p.m., he entered the Nunsicher Hall, where 32 Jesuits were gathered, including the provincial Father Attila. And he says... The following, and I want to read this in full so people can be like, oh, you're taking Pope Francis out of context. I want to read this in full, and then I wanted to get your comments on this, uh, Mr. Shaw. He says, I wouldn't know how to answer that theoretically, but I certainly know that the council is still being applied. It takes a century for a council to be assimilated, 
they say, and I know that resistance to his decrees is terrible. There is unbelievable restorationism, which I call endezerismo, or backwardness, as a letter to the Hebrews says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back. The flow of history and grace goes from the roots upward like the sap of a tree that bears fruit. But without this flow, you remain a mummy. Going backwards does not preserve life, ever. You must change. As St. Vincent of Lorenz wrote in his Commentario, where he remarked that even the dogma of Christian religion progresses, consolidating over the years, developing with time, deepening with age. But this is a change from the bottom up. The danger today is endezerismo, or backwardness, the reaction against the modern. It is a nostalgic disease. This is why I decided that now the permission to celebrate according to the Roman Missal of 1962 is mandatory for all newly consecrated priests. After all the necessary consultations, I decided that this because I saw that the good pastoral measures put in place by John Paul II and Benedict XVI were being used in an ideological way to go backwards. It was necessary to stop this indesirismo, or backwardness, which was not in the pastoral vision of my predecessors. So that's the quote in full. Mr. Shaw, what are your thoughts about that passage? Well, um, <clears throat> it's not untypical of what Pope Francis has been saying over some years. Uh, even before Traditius Custodes, he made these remarks about people who were restorationists and, and, and things like that, uh, or, or, or the rigid the rigid kind of um, uh, language that he, he used to use. Um, what hasn't happened, though, is any clarification. What is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Is this particular to particular countries? Is it particular to um, particular areas of theology? Uh, is this connected with social movements or political attitudes or, or anything like that, or particular demographics? I mean, where there's absolutely no clarity here about what exactly he's objecting to, who exactly is doing this stuff, uh, and what it is, what it is that that, that, that's, um, that he finds so upsetting. Um, and in fact, I, 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 as president of the um, FIUV, the Univoce International Federation, and I, I've been to Rome and I've talked to all sorts of people about, you know, people who are friendly to us, people less friendly to us, to say, well, what, could you just tell us what what we've done wrong, who has done, done it wrong, who is who's upset the Pope, apparently someone has, and actually they don't know either. Um, they'll give you answers, but all the answers are different. You ask five people and you'll get six different answers. So uh, they're guessing. I mean, they may be informed guesses, but they are guessing. There is no clear line as to who it is. Um, quite a lot of people think it's the Americans, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm not here to say, oh, it's your fault and you've done this and you've done that, because it's not clear. It's not clear to me. And I, I think the idea that it's ordinary American Catholics sitting in their pews in, in traditional masses who have done some terrible kind of ideological kind of misdeed. Um, I mean, that's ludicrous. The Pope doesn't know about you. He hasn't heard what you've said to each other over coffee after mass. I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous. So <clears throat> if it is, if it is sort of some sort of spokesman or, or some sort of self-appointed commentator or, or something, then it'd be very, very unfair on the ordinary Catholics who are affected by Traditius Castellis and subsequent documents. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And the thing that really stood out to me when I was reading this was the fact that he says here, I decided this 
because I saw, and which is very interesting to me because many, many people have come out after Tritunus Custodes saying, well, well, this wasn't really Pope Francis. I mean, he signed it, but other people were influencing him about this. They were, he, he just kind of signing his name to it. He probably doesn't know that much about it, but it seems very clear that Pope Francis this is a this is the will of Pope Francis, not the will of some Vatican bureaucrat. Uh, would that be would would you concur with that or would you disagree? What would your thoughts be about that? Well, no, you're you're right. He's he's owning it, uh, and that's interesting. Um, he did the same thing very shortly after Trusisca says in an interview with a radio station called Cope, Spanish language radio station, um, and he he said, "Oh, I I did this, and and this is why." Um, again, the same sort of vague stuff. So, yeah, he doesn't want to put the blame on other people for the document. Um, it's not quite so clear that he's ruling out putting the blame on other people for the implementation of the document. <laughs> that's, 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 that maybe there's a degree of, of uh, deniability in that respect. Um, but yeah, he, I think one of the things about Pope Francis is that people may want to make excuses for him in relation to you know pressures or, or advice or whatever, but that isn't his style. He does what he does, and he's doing it deliberately, and, and he wants people to know that he's in charge. Um, and I think he is in charge. Uh, it, it may have been a result of, you know, suggestions or, you know, whatever from other people, but he's made the decision, and it, it is his. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. One of the other things was his comment saying that it is a nostalgic disease which I found to be a very interesting way of phrasing that, considering, like myself, I'm 25 years old. I know most of my friends who attend the traditional mass. A lot of them actually are converts to the Catholic faith. They were never, they were never Catholic. So it's kind of strange that, to accuse them of nostalgia of any means. I mean, I was, I'm a cradle Catholic, but I'm nowhere near old enough to have any memory of the traditional mass. And most of my friends are were. I have one friend who was a Hindu, another friend who was. Uh, a Protestant, another friend who was an atheist, and they all came to the traditional mass. And I find it very interesting that he would call this a nostalgic disease. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Joseph Shaw? We have about one minute before we're going to go to a break. Right. Well, um, I think, well, well, two things, really. One is that the, the, the whole business of restorationism is, is very strange because the Vatican II called for restoration uh, over and over again. Instaurantia. That is what Vatican II is about. And the other thing, nostalgia, um, you're right, is this is not, he's no longer dealing with a generation that you could say, oh, well, they had it in their childhood. That's not what's going on at all. Is that what he means? Is he mean some sort of fantasy nostalgia? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think if you put that to him, he might come up with some more complicated thing about how we're trying to restore something we never knew. And that's even worse than trying to restore something we did know mm. as children or whatever. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's probably the, the tactic one might make, uh, try to try to explain that. Uh, we're about to head to a break. When we come back, I want to pick up on this, but also I want to bring up there is the this letter from a Austrian philosopher that came out. It didn't really get much traction, and I want to bring that up and get your comments on that as well. A lot of things going on in the Vatican, and I think we should definitely keep our eyes on it, but not to be discouraged that we can be like St. Vincent of Lorenz and cling to tradition. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. You know, I was thinking during the break, it's kind of funny. You mentioned uh, we're with Joseph Shaw. Joseph Shaw is joining us with the Latin Mass Society of England and Wells. It's very interesting because uh, you had mentioned before the break about this resource mont and aggiornamento of the Vatican II. You know, back to the sources. And it was a restoration as kind of the idea. And... Pope Francis tells us that there is an unbelievable restorationism in the church, and he sees it as a as a nostalgia, a nostalgic disease. It's very interesting to me. He says here, it takes a century for a council to be assimilated, they say, and I know the resistance to its decrees is terrible. There is an unbelievable, unbelievable restorationism, which I call backwardness. Now, that's interesting to me, Mr. Shaw, and I want your thoughts about this because it seems like we have no idea what to do with this. There is Benedict XVI comes in and he says, okay, we need to have a hermeneutic continuity. And Pope Francis basically comes in afterwards and says, yeah, we're not going to believe in that whole hermeneutic continuity thing. Eh, we're getting rid of that idea. And so what exactly is Pope Francis talking about again, when he says resistance to its decrees? Well, as, as, as with many Theologians and, and churchmen, Pope Francis is using Vatican II uh, as a sort of symbol of his favoured policy, which he thinks is inspired by Vatican II. Um, and he's entitled to that view, but obviously there are different interpretations of Vatican II. And uh, as you say, you know, Pope Benedict had a, had a different approach. So <clears throat> Vatican II obviously has a certain authority and weight for us, uh, but it's become such a political football with different interpretations, different popes applying it in different ways. I mean, even the difference between Paul VI and John Paul II is quite significant. So this appeal to the authority of Vatican II is, well, it's rather lost its force. So what we're really appealing to, what the popes are really appealing to, is their own authority. And, and, and that's something rather different. And as 
you know, probably anyone involved in the debate about the Latin Mass is, 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 will know Vatican II called for Mass to re remain in Latin, at least in part. And that isn't what happened. So that's not to say that, you know, the churches did something that was kind of wrong, but the church was acting on the authority of Paul VI, not on the authority of Vatican II. So um, that's just one example. There are there are many others. Um, so it's 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 become a bit of a a bit of a kind of a, a, a ink block test that you can look at it and see whatever <laughs> whatever you like. Um, so it, it's it's totally uninformative um, for us who would like to you know we'd like to be friends with the Pope. We'd like to do what he wants us to do insofar as that's compatible with you know our conscience and all the rest of it. We did I don't even know whether what I want is compatible with my conscience and the Pope. Uh, because I don't know what he wants. I don't, he hasn't made it clear. So, and this is something he's consistently refused to do, um, and even presented his refusal to clarify himself as a kind of, I don't know, a pedagogical technique. As oh well, you're going to have to work it out for yourselves. Or, or you know, the people who are asking for clarity are kind of criticised and, and told that you shouldn't be asking because that shows a bad attitude or or something. Well, I just don't know what we're supposed to do with this. Um, all we can do, actually, is to hold on to what we know the church teaches and we know the church is handed down in terms of spirituality and liturgy and theology um, and hang on to those things. Hi, Joseph. This is uh, Tito Edwards. It's a pleasure to finally meet and speak with you, uh, although it's on the video conference call. Here in the United States, uh, we, we uh, more so than I believe uh, out there in the UK, uh, outside of Europe, and uh, we have uh, we understand that there is some cultural animosity from from uh, South Americans towards the U.S., particularly in Argentina. There we have a, a running joke here that says that Argentinians are a bunch of Italians who think they're French that speak Spanish. And uh, so there, there's uh, my speculation is is they've grown up with an anti-Gringo mentality. And, 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 and Pope Francis grew up within the Peronist, uh, if you're familiar with Argentine politics, Peronism, where uh, it's, a, it's a hybrid form of capitalism and, and socialism, which is, in, in, in essence, just state control, uh, another word for state control. Uh, so have you witnessed or heard from any of your contacts? M maybe that's, that, that might be some reason, some speculation. I, I know it was hinted at. Uh, by the author of the dictator Pope, I can't recall the name of that person at the moment. But uh, do, yes, yes. So, do, do you have any insight on that? On, on maybe it, it ha has to do with a subliminal uh, anti-American attitude from a cultural cultural point of view. Well, I, I don't think there's there's any doubt really that he's he's doesn't like uh, America and what America represents to him. No doubt there is there is something to do with with. You know, his, his background or, or cultural kind of assumptions. <clears throat> America has featured in his remarks from time to time um, in relation to digital mass, in relation to other issues, uh, as being a kind of example of, of, of bad things. Um, um, and of course, he's 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 taken a big, uh, a very a very um, decided steer on the appointment of bishops in America. You, you're getting a different set of bishops coming down the pike. In a way, that's not true, for example, in England. We're having the same bishops as before. <laughs> hasn't really changed. Um, but um, 
Peronism, I think one of the things about Peronism, which, which Henry Sear says in his book, um, which is quite interesting, is, is Peronism is, is a, an ideology. It's not, well, it's a very vague ideology. And it's, it's, it's got, one of the things about it is that the differences of opinion don't take place between political parties, but within the party. And the leader of the party is not um, committed to one side or the other until they've kind of fought it out. And then he comes in with a solution. And he can wait before giving his solution until both sides are kind of exhausted and desperate and will accept anything. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that, I don't know where Henry Sire, but one thing some people some thought would happen to do with um, more solicitor type issues or social mass issue or various other issues, is that he would he he sets up this debate which is within the church, uh, which seems to be completely intractable, and then he'd swoop in with a solution, and that would be a kind of Peronist uh, strategy. However, actually, that hasn't happened. He's let the debate fester, and he's sort of favoured one side rather than the other, uh, and we saw this with with Amoritatitia, uh, and now we're seeing it with the traditional mass. Um, it's not really clear what's going on or who thinks what or but there are people who are kind of very clear about it who are his you know self-declared spokesman uh, if you ask them they'll tell you in great detail about exactly what we've done wrong um it, it just doesn't have an official source so it doesn't really have any weight but every now and then he'll say something which seems to favor that uh, and this is an example these remarks in hungary is an example um Oh, it's about these kind of backwards people who there's a kind of association with some ideology or some theology or conservatism or something. Um, and but he's not really making it. So it, it continues to fester. Um, and that's that's a bit odd. You know, the Peronist was supposed to. And this is what people told me who knew about Peronism when he first elected. Um, he's supposed to kind of solve everyone's problems and everyone kind of is so grateful because, you know, at last, you know, we've got some sort of compromise. Uh, but actually, he's a bit more of a radical than that. Um, and I say that, I mean, of course, that's not to say that he doesn't push the other direction as well. So, I mean, he's just come back from Hungary where he says all sorts of other conservative things. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we saw to be having recent... more children, for example. Yeah, I mean, like he we just recently they came out saying that uh, we shouldn't be uh, promoting dog moms as moms. I thought that was very good. He's saying, have kids, not dogs. Dogs are animals, not humans. <laughs> Amen. I, I was like, okay, thank you, Pope Francis. Um, but at the same time, we saw the this, I don't know if you saw this article that came out, the Austrian philosopher Joseph Seifert, who currently teaches at uh, Munich University, wrote an open letter to the Cardinals on May 2nd, and I thought, this was an excellent article and definitely worth a read. I think I saw it on Gloria TV. It's where I saw Gloria it being TV. posted. But this, uh, I, I mean, this open letter to the Cardinal is very, very interesting. He brings up a number of the issues with Pope Francis, including the Abu Dhabi document, including Morris Letizia, including the death penalty, including some of the interviews that he's done that people are saying, oh, well, we can't trust those interviews because there is no record of the interview about hell being empty, about the souls of sinners being destroyed after death. Um, what are your, what do you think about these, these issues and how we can respond to them as a laity? And uh, I suppose, I guess the only answer is like petition the Cardinals, but what are your thoughts, Mr. Shaw? Well, I, I, I've 
been around that particular option of petitioning the Cardinals myself. Uh, as you may know, I was the spokesman for the uh, filial appeal uh, a few years ago now about the Amoris Letizia issues. Um, I, I didn't sign the, the last of that series of documents, um, the uh, filial correction, um, but um, I was involved in the other ones. And with hindsight, I, mean, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't regret my involvement and I think that it was good for the subjects to be aired and it's good for people to see that you know uh, academics and, and pastors and people were, were concerned um but in terms of simulating the kernels to do something um it was a complete failure <laughs> total and utter failure um and uh perhaps we you know, we weren't necessarily surprised uh those of us who were involved but it, obviously that is not a way to get things to happen um the Cardinals do not see themselves as people who can intervene. Um, or at least uh, so few of them do that you know, those few realise that it would be counterproductive to, to kind of make some big fuss because they will back them up. Um, they see themselves as um, as functionaries, really, as, as servants um, of, of the Pope. And I think that's, that's a bit sad, but I, 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 that's a kind of result of... Uh, you know, the, 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 the ultramontanism of the past, you know, of the kind of Pius X um, era. Um, There's a story about about the French cardinal who, who quite liked Action Francaise, which uh, which was kind of conservative and, 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 and in a rather complicated way. It was it was it was not very good. Um, and um, uh, Pius X reduced him to 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 um, took away his, his cardinal's hand. Uh, and that's something which almost never happens. Um, and it's happened a couple of times recently, once when anyway, uh, because of a, a child abuse. But um, you know, not for theological. But I think they feel that they can't do things. They can't. You know, they can't even talk to him. Apparently, I mean, this is what they say. Um, this is not just Pope Francis. Actually, this is remember people saying this about people. Saying, they can't get access to him easily. They have to come make an appointment, and they're not. Yeah, that's very concerning to see that uh, the Cardinals not able to get access to the Holy Father yeah. when he, they're supposed to be their advisors. But that's going to do it. We're out of time. Thank you, Mr. Shaw. Where can people find your articles and find more information about you? LMSChairman.org. LMSChairman.org. Find them there. Thank you very much, Mr. Shaw, with the Latin Mass Society of England Wells. That's going to do it for the first hour. Stay with us. Much more coming up. Our family had been going through a crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1. 
one says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV, and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow, and then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs, and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is him, and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Kim. This is Courage. And this is Chastity from 321 Voices. And you are listening to 1430 AM. Radio Radio for for your soul. KSHJ, Houston. Before I forget, make sure you have a Holy Mass scheduled in your calendar for tomorrow. I'm sure a lot of parishes will have 7 AM Mass and 7 PM Masses. However, I think a lot of... um, Diocese throughout America move the feast to Sunday, so you'll have Ascension Thursday on Sunday, Ascension Thursday Sunday, <laughs> one might call it. And so you're welcome to uh, to find out. You need to find out whether or not because Ascension Thursday is in fact a holy day of obligation. It's one of I think six holy days of obligation that fall outside of a Sunday, and those are. Um, and so Ascension Thursday is one of them. So that means you have to go to Mass. Otherwise, it will be a mortal sin unless your bishop has moved it to Sunday. So you need to find out uh, in your diocese. I have no idea what the rule is in our diocese. I'm going to go to Mass tomorrow. And the and if you want to go to Mass, but they moved it to Sunday, and you're like, man, I wanted to celebrate Ascension Thursday, well, find a traditional Latin Mass. Because the traditional Latin Mass, they're going to have Ascension Thursday on Thursday rather than Sunday. So if you want to go and do it twice, you're welcome to do so by going to a traditional Latin Mass tomorrow, and then on Sunday when you go to your regular Mass, it'll still be Ascension Thursday because they move it to Sunday. It It just depends on the diocese, though. Yeah, it's good witness on your part, and if you cannot find that TLM or or other uh, pious uh, ordinariate church, Go to go to your your Novus Ordo parish. Attend that daily ma- that da- the time of day, whatever it is tomorrow, and then go talk to your pastor and and you know charitably say you know we need you know Ascension Thursday is an excellent signpost of the Catholic faith. We need to be changing the culture, not allow the culture to change us. And petition your priest to, to ask the ordinary, the the bishop, to go and ask his brother bishops to move it to back to Ascension Thursday on Thursday. 
This is a great witness for the Catholics around this country and anywhere else you are in the world. If you don't have it on Ascension Thursday, it might be just an American thing. A great way to witness to the faith. We, we, we change the culture. The culture does not change us, basically. Yeah, the, it's a very important that we have this because, like I said, there are only six Holy Days of Obligation that are not on Sundays. And so six times a year, I mean, some of those land on weekends. Some of those will land on a Sunday every year. Like, for instance, Christmas is one of those, those Holy Days of Obligation that happens to uh, sometimes it falls on a Sunday, sometimes it does not. And so a lot of these holidays, we already get off for for work automatically because things like Christmas, it happens to fall on those days. But the other ones, just a few times a year, just a few times a year, use a vacation day to get a day off of work, find out a way or leave work as early if you can, or let your boss know, hey, this is a day that is a, a religious day for me, so I can't work that day. So you're going to have to schedule me a different day. I mean, I'm sure they do those things for Muslims and for Jews, but they, will they do them for Catholics? I sure hope so. So we should not cede this culture to the left and to yeah. the world. Instead, we should stand up and fight for the truths of the faith. We are the salt of the earth. We need to be changing. I remember when a few years ago, maybe you remember, Adrian, that Joel Osteen canceled his service on Sunday because Christmas was on a Sunday, and, and his and his uh, explanation was Christmas is for families. Really? <laughs> yes, his, that was his explanation. There are it made some it made the chronicle a little bit because they still hadn't decided two or three weeks before Christmas Sunday. To, to have a service or not, and, th- and they finally decided not to. And the explanation was, well, the Christmas is, is meant for the family. You know, that's what we're there for. We celebrate the families. <laughs> so, wow. We don't want the culture to change it. We affect the ch- culture. We change the culture. I, I mean, think of what ha- Look at Christmas. It's already a national holiday. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, for, for somewhat the wrong reasons, people are celebrating it, even though it's not a national holiday. We, may, we have an impact. We can do this. So go, go attend Mass if, it, if it's not on the calendar tomorrow, and then speak with your pastor. We are the salt of the earth. We're, we're supposed to bring flavor to, to the culture, not uh, be bland and vanilla. So tomorrow we'll bring you some, uh, some content related to Ascension Thursday. So make sure you tune in tomorrow where it's going to be a great show all about Ascension Thursday because uh, that's, I mean, what else should we be focusing on? It's Ascension Thursday is one of the major feasts throughout the year, and yet how many people doesn't even cross their mind about Ascension Thursday? It's right up there with Pentecost, which is like the second greatest feast day of the year, the first being Easter, and this is uh, and we don't celebrate these. We don't celebrate these holidays, so let's start celebrating them today, or tomorrow, rather, uh, today being the vigil. And, yeah, like I said, if you can't, if your diocese has dispensed you, from Ascension Thursday, has moved it to Sunday, well then, uh, and try to find a traditional Latin Mass and attend Ascension Thursday nonetheless. It'll be a good time, I promise. And I'd be curious to know uh, what you end up doing. So if you want to join us in the after show at 30 past the hour, I'm curious to know what your plans for Ascension Thursday are. I would love to know. But let's transition over to this story here. The CNA reported, Blaze set at iconic Mexican church, Eucharist stolen from another. The Diocese of Irapuato in the Mexican state of Guanajuato expressed its profound 
consternation over a fire deliberately set at Santiguito Church and called it a sacrilege. In a statement published May 15th, Father Efrin Silva Plasquincia, spokesman for the diocese, said the fire was set on the exterior by a male person who arrived outside of the church at 1.04 a.m. and left at 1.26 a.m. Father Silva pointed at the church of Santiago, whose origins date back to the 17th century, is one of the most emblematic and iconic in the region. Now he goes on to explain what happened here. And what happened here is that the, the priest lamented that the arson attack occurred shortly after the completion of the restoration work that was paid for with the effort and cooperation of many people. He said it has been, the church has been totally damaged by smoke throughout its entire complex. The church will tirelessly continue in the mission of building peace. And it goes on and talks about how the Eucharist was also stolen as well. Another sacrilege, the Eucharist was stolen from the tabernacle of the Lord of the Harvest Chapel administered by St. Luke the Evangelist Parish in the Progresio neighborhood of the town of Huitalpec, about 60 miles south of Mexico City. These are very concerning stories that we're seeing come out of Mexico, several different things happening. And what also needs to be noted is, one, according to canon law, canon 1367, a person who throws away the consecrated species or takes or retains them for sacrilegious purposes encourages a late sententiae excommunication reserved to the apostolic see, meaning this person, whoever broke into here, and stole the Holy Eucharist, is excommunicated by the very act of doing the task, doing the act, which can only be lifted by the Holy Roman Pontiff. So, very, very concerning. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because Mexico is the home of the Cristero martyrs. Mexico is the home of the Cristeros who fought and died for the faith. This was not that long ago. This was the 1920s yep. where the Mexicans rose up against Gaez and his laws banning the church, fighting against the church, rejecting the truths of the church. And the Mexican people refused to lay down. They refused to hang their heads low and say, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. Instead, the Cristeros had the courage, had the faith, had the confidence in Our Lady to stand up against this wickedness and these evils. How many of us could say the same? How many of us could rise up against these wicked ideologies? And we don't. We don't even rise up to protect our own churches. Where's the outrage we see outrage mobs come out of the woodwork anytime anything happens. Anytime anything happens, someone sees a rope and they say, oh, it's a noose. <laughs> yes, right. And they, they scream racism. And there's rioting in the streets. And I'm definitely not calling for Catholics to riot. What I am calling for is a Eucharistic crusade. What I am calling for is for Catholics to take up space in the public sphere. Public square rosary rallies. Marian processions. Acts of reparation. Catholics have to rise up, but in a Catholic way. In a Catholic way, we have to fight against these wicked, 
wicked people who hate the church and want to see her destroyed. It is sad and disheartening to see so many of the Mexican people abandon Our Lady of Guadalupe. How many Catholics have left the faith in Mexico or Mexican descent, have become Protestants, have become Muslims, have become Mormons? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge population of Mormons in Mexico for some reason. You, you can't be Mexican if you're not Catholic. You, yeah, there's no true. Two, two, two bits about it. That's true. And every single Catholic, every single Mexican has a dedication to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared in Mexico, and she loved the Mexican people. She loved all America. She is the Empress of the Americas, not of Mexico. But in a special way, it is there. But as Empress of the Americas, we are all called to be Cristeros. We are all called to scream and shout, Viva Cristo Rey! Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe! Long live Christ the King! Long live Our Lady of Guadalupe! This can be the calling card of all Americans, not just the Mexican people. We can all be Cristeros and have the courage to stand up against the wickedness that comes against us. Now, how do we do this? Well, first, if your local priest is against this, so often, so, so often we see priests and bishops discourage discourage public acts of reparation. They discourage public uh, taking up space in the public sphere. They discourage public square rosary rallies. Well, in that case, we listen to Fulton Sheen, who said it'll be the laity that saves the church. It'll have to be the laity who saves us. So we are going to have to rise up and say, all right, well, I guess if I can't use the church, well, I'm going to go, we're going to invest and we're going to buy a beautiful Marian statue. We're going to buy a platform to carry her. And we're going to do a Marian procession in the park. We're going to do a Marian procession on the sidewalk, the public sidewalk. We're going to do a public square rosary rally on the sidewalk. If we can't get the backing of our local parish, well, that's between Father, the Bishop, and God. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So... Rise up, take up space, pray the rosary, have Our Lady in the public sphere, talk about her with others, talk about the faith with others. The burden of being a Catholic today in America is that we have to be educated. We have to learn the faith. We have to be familiar with what has come before us. We do not have the luxury of being able to just say, well, I'll just do whatever Father says. Oh, I'll just do whatever my bishop says. We do not live in a time where we have that luxury. Every Catholic of every age has had burdens. Our burden is that we have to be connected to the faith, whole and entire, educated, prayed up, dedicated to the piety of the church, clinging to the tradition of the church. That is our burden. It is a cross that we bear, but it's a cross that the yoke is easy, and his burden light. And so let's rejoice in those opportunities. Let's rejoice in the opportunity to fulfill what Our Lady of Fatima asks us to do. And always remember that we work at our salvation with fear and trembling. And speaking of fearing and trembling, 
You can call in 877-757-9424 to join our Fear and Trembling Game Show, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call now for Fear and Trembling Game Show, coming up right after this. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted in my 20s to a Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Seven five seven nine four two four. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. And tomorrow, Thursday, Ascension Thursday, we won't be in the studio. So that means that Friday when we give out the prize, you have a greater chance of being the winner because there's going to be less contestants in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. So the odds are in your favor. That number to dial, 877-757-9424. You may be listening and saying, what am I listening to? What am I getting myself into? What are we talking about? Here is the thing. So I have three Catholic trivia show questions here. Each question is a, well, like I said, it's a Catholic trivia question. And I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I am going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right and whether or not he is wrong. Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Good morning to you, Tito. What is the prize? 
Good morning, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a book from Catholic Answers called Revolt Against Reality, Fighting the Foes of Sanity and Truth from the Serpent to the State. In Revolt Against Reality, Gary Mishuda explains how an army of liars, manipulators, and bad actors has conspired from the beginning to thwart God's plan for man, a plan of order and peace centered on the incarnation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Available now from Catholic Answers. Thank you very much to Catholic Answers for being our sponsor. A good morning to you. Joining us right now is Wendy. Good morning to you, Wendy. Good morning. Good morning, Wendy. Where are you off to this morning? I am on my way to San Antonio this morning, and I've never listened to your show before, so... Well praise, well, praise be to God. Well, welcome to uh, to the Catholic Drive Time Show and the Fear and Trembling Game Show in particular. Uh, I'm great, glad to have you listening in. And San Antonio, that's a great place to go. So technically, uh, we would not. Would we qualify you as a San Antonio caller? Where are you Where are you calling from right now? I'm really from Victoria. From so Victoria. So we're, I'm we'll, on my way to San Antonio. We'll categorize you as a Victoria caller, yeah. not, a, not a San Antonio caller. So we, we get That's tons right. of San Antonio callers. San Antonio, are you going on vacation? Are you work? What's going on in San Antonio? Hey, Wendy. Did you get that, Wendy? What's I'm going sorry, on? I'm headed to a doctor's. I've had a doctor's appointment. Oh, okay, okay. Very good, very good. Well, I'm sure that you get a, a ton of... Do you get a lot of uh, Peter Pan references because of your name? Uh, not too often. Not too often. Okay, okay. That's good. That's good. It could get a little annoying. I know my friend whose name was Noel, everybody who went up to her <laughs> would just start singing uh, Noel. Uh, oh, Noel, Noel. Every single time. And she was like, oh, I hate that song. So it's very funny. All righty, Wendy, are you familiar with how the game works? I told the rules. Did you catch that? Do you need me to repeat them? Um, I'm not going to answer the question. That's right. You're not going to answer the questions. I'm going to give the questions to Tito, and he's going to answer the questions. You're going to let me know if he's right or wrong. So even if you know nothing about these questions, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Are you ready to play? Sure. Let's do it. All righty, Tito, first question. Yeah. The question on the board. What is the only American university owned by the bishops? <laughs> The only American university, I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with the, uh, since it's the biggest, most popular, well-known, I guess it would be the University of uh, Notre Dame in uh, South Bend, Indiana. That, Notre that, Dame in South Bend, Indiana, you yeah. say? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Wendy, the question on the board what is the only American university owned by the bishops? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think that the University of Notre Dame is the only American university owned by the bishops. Is that true, Wendy, or is that false? What say you, Wendy, from Victoria, Texas? Um, I think it, I'll go with yes, true. Are you sure you want to go with true? I'm not sure, no, but... I guess I'm going to go with true. Are you sure that Notre Dame... Okay, okay, you're really making me think it's false. Our last chance, What? true or false? Okay, we'll go with false. She's going to go with false. 
Way to go, Wendy. Easy peasy. See, Good I knew, job. I knew she was going to get that right. right I, just, she, I had a feeling that button. she knew that answer. No, the, the only American university owned by the bishops is actually Catholic University of America up in Washington, D.C. area. A very beautiful campus, I must say. Yes, it is. That's a much, very much recommend. No, University of Notre Dame is not owned by the bishops, even though it is purportedly a Catholic university. But very good, Wendy. You are one for one. That's a 100% success rate so far. Are you ready for question number two? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. The question number two. Okay. Tito, this question. This is a doozy. According to the Gospels, every Passover, the Roman governor offered to release a prisoner. Name the criminal whom the crowd demanded to be freed in preference to Jesus. Oh, good old Pontius Pilate. Not making decisions. Um, I think uh, I watched uh, Mel Gibson's Passion, The Passion of the Christ, and it looked like the crowd was demanding Barabbas. Is Barabbas? You yeah, said. and I did see the uh, the uh, 1950s or 60s movie called Barabbas. Really good, really good. So yeah, it's Barabbas. I'm almost certain it's Barabbas. Yeah, Barabbas. All right, All right. Barabbas is what you're gonna go with here. Yeah. All right, Wendy. The question on the board. 15 seconds on the clock. According to the Gospels, every Passover, the Roman governor offered to release a prisoner. Name the criminal who the crowd demanded to be freed in preference to Jesus. Tito seems to think it's Barabbas. What say you, Wendy, from Victoria, Texas? Yes, that's correct. She said that's correct. Way to go, Wendy! Easy, Good easy job. You know, I, Wendy. She was tempted to. I was. I could feel her tempted to say, "Barabbas." Barabbas. There you go. Very good. Very good. All right. Way to go, Wendy. You are in two for two. That's a still a one hundred percent success rate. Yeah. How do you feel so far, Wendy? I'm sorry. How do you feel so far? Good. 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 Praise be to God. You are clearly. A woman of great intelligence, a woman of, uh, I'm sure she has a, a background in, in theology, study yes. theology at you know, Catholic University of America, yes. I'm guessing. That's my guess. But very good, Wendy. Let's jump into question number three. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Question numero trace. Tito, do you know what trace, what language that is? Oh, I, you, you know, I think you keep mentioning it. I, I can't remember. Well, but I'm going to say Babylonian. Babylonian. That's yeah. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. Really? Yeah, it's actually correct. It is Babylonian. Oh, wow. That's, wow. <laughs> oh, I feel good about I, this one. <laughs> I didn't know Tito knew Babylonian, but here we are. All right. Ba, question, ba, ba. question number three. Name five of the seven sacraments. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, baptism, confirmation, uh, uh, first penance, three, marriage, four, uh, holy orders, five. There okay. we go. Okay. Yeah. You're saying first penance or just penance? Pen- penance, penance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, was like, first okay. communion. Interesting. For, yeah. Okay. Okay. All righty, Wendy. The question on the board is name five of the seven sacraments. 15 seconds on the clock, Wendy. As uh, Tito thinks it's baptism, 
penance, confirmation, matrimony, and holy orders. That's five of the seven sacraments. What say you, Wendy? Is he right or is he wrong? He is correct. He is correct, she says. Way to go, Wendy. Three for three. You nailed it. Knocked it right out of the park. Hit it all the way from Victoria all the way to San Antonio. Yeah. And nailed that. Uh, Very good. Very good, Wendy. Congratulations. How do you feel, Wendy? Great. 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 (laughs) Now you can uh, go and brag to everybody. Yeah, I'm a uh, Catholic trivia question champion. So praise be to God. Budding apologist. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what are your plans for Ascension Thursday? Throwing a big Ascension Thursday party, I'm guessing? Oh, I, actually, I learned that this morning. So that's a good thing. Good. Praise <laughs> be to God. Praise be to God. Excellent. Now, I, I, should do, I should throw an Ascension Thursday party. I just... Just like randomly, yeah. I, but it's, it might it might be too last minute. I don't think anybody would show up. So uh, maybe maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. For next year, I'll plan an Ascension Thursday party. But very good, Wendy. Thanks for calling in. God bless you and God love you. And stay on the line. We're going to be able to get your contact information so we can uh, pull your name on Friday. So if we pull your name, we can send you the prize. But God bless you and God love you. That's great. Thanks. Awesome. Stay on hold. We're going to put you on hold and uh, we'll get your contact in just one moment. And that's going to do it for the radio side of a Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the after show, we'd be very grateful. I want to know what your plans are for Ascension Thursday. It would be a great time. I'm very excited to hear what you have going on. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. But here's the thing. Tomorrow, the GRN, very generous has given us a day off for the Holy Day so we can all attend Holy Mass. Very grateful for that. So we will not have a live show. Instead, we're going to have a pre-recorded show. It's going to be themed Ascension Thursday. So make sure you tune in so you can hear all about Ascension Thursday. It's going to be a great time, I'm sure. But if you could join us in the after show, we'd be so grateful. I'd love to hear enough to interact with you directly. Tons of good comments already in the chat. So tune in with us on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, all those platforms, you can join us Catholic Drive Time. But if not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate Wednesday of the sixth week of Easter. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening Guadalupe Radio Network. 
At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who hath washed us in the tide Flowing from his pierced side Praise we him whose love divine Gives the gas his blood for wine Gives his he for the feast Grant the victim, love the priest. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that as we celebrate in mystery the solemnities of your Son's resurrection, so too we may be worthy to rejoice at his coming with all the saints. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostle. After Paul's escort had taken him to Athens, they came away with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Then Paul stood up at Arepagus and said, You Athenians, I see that in every respect you are very religious. For as I walked around looking carefully at your shrines, I even discovered an altar inscribed to an unknown God. What therefore you unknowingly worship, I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all that is in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in sanctuaries made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands because he needs anything. Rather, it is he who gives to everyone life and breath and everything. He made from one the whole human race to dwell on the entire surface of the earth. And he fixed the ordered seasons and the boundaries of their regions so that people might seek God even perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed 
he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since therefore we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divinity is like an image fashioned from gold, silver, or stone by human art or imagination. God has overlooked the times of ignorance, but now he demands that all people everywhere repent because he has established a day on which he will judge the world with justice through a man he has appointed. And he has provided confirmation for all by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to scoff, but others said, we should like to hear you on this some other time. And so Paul left them, but some did join him and became believers. Among them were Diodosus, a member of the court of Areopagus, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth. The word of the Lord. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in his heights. Praise him, all you his angels. Praise him, all you his hosts. Heaven and earth, Heaven and earth are, are full, full of, of your, your glory. glory. Let the kings of the earth and all peoples, the princes and all the judges of the earth young men too, and maidens, old men and boys. Heaven, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. glory. Praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Heaven, Heaven and, and earth are full, are full of, of your glory. glory. He has lifted up the horn of his people. Be this his praise from all his faithful ones, from the children of Israel and people close to him. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me, 
because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. In the first reading, St. Paul talks about the altar to the unknown God known as the Areopagus. Areopagus. And uh, Pope St. John Paul in his encyclical Redemptoris Missio talked about this, that there's different altars of unknown gods in modern society, like uh, communicate global communication, the capacity to communicate globally, concern for the environment, concern for peace, concern for the treatment of children and, and women. But all of these are kind of like issues that people generally chase after who don't have God. And they tend to be not have any fruit. It's very much like St. Paul. You know, he, he's sitting there and they said at the end of his discourse, I'd like to hear about this at another time. Basically a polite way of saying, oh, I'm not interested. And this is kind of the response when the church engages on these kinds of issues. That's why I think, when I think of Areopagus, I think of Snuffleupagus. Because basically it's a way of non-commitment. It's a, a, a commitment that isn't there, that's just in pretend, that's invisible, that nothing ever happens from it. The truth is, the only thing that converts people is love. The real thing that converts people is personal, holy love of Jesus Christ and that's what the Holy Spirit does he takes from what is Jesus and he declares it to you and what is necessary especially in here in, in America is to allow a space for people to encounter Jesus that's why bringing people to the Eucharist and just letting them experience what's what's the Eucharist what's that just bringing people into into Eucharistic adoration and just saying, hey, I want you to meet someone. I want you to, you know, I want you to, I want to show you what happened to me. I experienced this person and he changed my life forever. And making it very personal, that's where the power is. Not so much with these well-crafted arguments and that intellectualism that is a form of escape and non-commitment. Particular way of doing that is also introducing people to their mother, Blessed Mother. We celebrate the month of May. And we just celebrated Our Lady of Fatima, a message of repentance, a message of praying the rosary, which is a 15-minute encounter, profound encounter with Jesus Christ. Introducing people to these things that, you know, what's that? What's that thing you've got in your pocket, this, this rosary? Well, I've never seen this before. What do you do with it? How do you pray it? That's a, a very powerful way of evangelization. Don't be afraid to introduce people to their mother because Mary always brings them to Jesus. She always magnifies Jesus more. And having a fear of, you know, well, Mary might get in the way is exactly the opposite. It's like saying reading glasses are getting in the way or your, your telescope is getting in the way of viewing something. Mary always magnifies. And so let's pray in this month of, of May, the month of Mary, for a renewed evangelization, a renewed Eucharistification of the church, especially we we near the Eucharistic Congress in 2024, and we have this re-intensification, refocus on what really matters in the church, what really is powerful in evangelization, what is really powerful in daily 
holy conversion. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that by focusing on Jesus Christ and the Eucharist, God may raise up saints for our times. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may be good stewards of the mysteries of God. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they may not obstruct the gospel. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, those who do not know God, those who do not want to know God, and that we may reach out to all people who are in need. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, so we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The strife is o'er, the battle done, the victory of life is won. The song of triumph hath begun. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The powers of death have done their worst, but Christ their legions hath dispersed. Let shout of holy joy outburst. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O God, who by the wonderful exchange effected in this sacrifice have made us partakers of the one supreme Godhead, grant, we pray, that as we come now to know your truth, we may make it ours by a worthy way of life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus. Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
Leni sun celiatera, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Row him and with him and in him, 
O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptus salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et temite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, Donna nobis pacem. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. I have chosen you from the world, says the Lord, and have appointed you to go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Alleluia. Act of Spiritual Communion <clears throat> My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devote latens deitas. Que subis figuris vere latitas, 
Said how to solo to to credit Credo quid quid exit de hi filius Nilog verbo veritatis verius in cruce la tebat sola deitas, ad hic latet simul et humanitas. Ambo tamen credens arque confitens, Peto quod petivit latro penitens. Placas sicutomas non in tubeo. Deum tamen meum te confiteo. Ac mei tibi semper magis credere, in te spem habere te diligere. Amen. Let us pray. Graciously be present your people, we pray, O Lord, and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Jesus Christ is risen today, alleluia. Our triumphant holy day, alleluia. Who did once upon the cross, alleluia. Suffer her to redeem our loss. Alleluia. Himself praise, then let us sing. Alleluia. Unto Christ our heavenly King. Alleluia. Who endured the cross and grave. Alleluia. Sinners to redeem and save. Alleluia. But the pains that he endured. Alleluia. Our salvation have procured. Alleluia.
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I'm Samantha from Presentation.